it's not fair. Why does my brother get this and I don't? It's not fair. Why does my sister get this and I don't? It's not fair. Why does my friend always have good grades and I don't? It's not fair. Why is it so easy for this student and not for me? It's not fair. Why do my parents always come early at dismissal? Or come late at dismissal and others come early? It's not fair. Why do we have to struggle to get up for Fajr? When there are so many non-Muslims who don't have to get up for anything other than work. It's not fair. Why do we have to fast the whole month of Ramadan? And all these non-Muslims, they can eat whatever they want. It's not fair. Life is hard. Why does it have to be hard like this? لا أقسم بهذا البلد وأنت حل بهذا البلد ووالد وما ولد لقد خلقنا الإنسان في كبد No Allah says no to all ideas anybody might have about what is a good life, an easy life, a fun life. And says in reality, all the people you're looking around you look like they have it better than you? Uh-uh. Allah swears, guaranteed, everybody will face struggles in life. Everybody will face hard times in life. Allah will not wrong anybody. Which means Allah is not unfair to anybody. So, can anybody here in the room say, I've never had a hard time with anything? No. Everybody has hard times with something. Some things, many things. Everybody. So think about that. Think about things that you have a hard time with. Think about things that your parents ask you to do and you don't want to do it. And you find it hard to do it. And think about whether it's worth it or not. Now try to imagine uh, the shaykh you like the most. I don't know who that is. Imagine the shaykh you like the most. Or the, the scholar you like the most. Imagine that you get to sit in one of their halaqat. Let's take, for example, Mufti Menk. A lot of people like Mufti Menk. Let's say that one day, you go to the masjid, and you end up in a talk with Mufti Menk. 
Somehow he came to America, even though he lives in South Africa, I think. I don't, I don't know. You get to sit in the talk by Mufti Menk. He calls you to sit right next to him at the table, right behind the mic. And he tells you, you are the person who deserves to sit here the most of all people that I know because of all the hard times you went through. Now put these two thoughts together. Think about all the things that are hard for you. And think about that experience of the sheikh you like the most inviting you behind the mic with him and telling everybody that you deserve this, spa this place the most because of all the hard times you went through. This is the story of one of the Sahaba. Now, of course, it wasn't Mufti Menk. It wasn't in America. It was one of the Sahaba who went through a lot of hard times. And much later, after the Messenger of Allah passed away, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and Abu Bakr passed away, radiallahu anhu, and Umar was the Khalifa, he called a Sahabi by the name of Khabbab. And he calls him to sit right next to him. He just became Khalifa, Umar ibn al-Khattab. Umar ibn al-Khattab, by the way, is recognized by non-Muslims as being one of the 20 most influential people in history. So if you're talking about a main sheikh, Umar ibn al-Khattab would be the person. Umar ibn al-Khattab, what this means is that he is one of the people in history that the most people look up to. The sheikh of the sheikh. The boss above the boss, you could say. And Allah is the boss of everyone. Umar ibn al-Khattab says to Khabab, come sit next to me, you are the most deserving of this spot, of this seat, right next to me, right next to the Khalifa. And then Umar says, if there is one person that might deserve it more than you, it would be Bilal ibn Rabah. Now, we know a lot about Bilal ibn Rabah and what he went through. And Umar ibn al-Khattab is telling Khabbab, you deserve to sit here next to me because of what you went through. Maybe one person went through even more, Bilal ibn Rabah. You might remember the story that the mushrikeen put a huge boulder on him and let him lie down in the sun with this boulder on him saying, La ilaha illallah. And he wouldn't budge. He wouldn't renounce his faith because of this pressure they were putting on him. And Abu Bakr came and saved him basically. But Bilal ibn Rabah, after the Messenger of Allah passed away, وسلم, Bilal ibn Rabah traveled to Asham and didn't live in Medina anymore. So that's why Umar ibn al-Khattab is asking Khabbab, sit next to me, you are the most deserving of this spot, and if there was anybody else who would deserve to sit next to me, it would be Bilal. Khabbab uncovers his back. He shows his back to Umar ibn al-Khattab and says, I disagree. Imagine this. Umar ibn al-Khattab is thinking the one who, may, who went through the most hard time is Bilal ibn Rabah. And Khabbab would be next after him. Khabbab uncovers his back and says, I disagree. Umar looks at his back. And Umar has been in battles. He has seen bloodshed. He has seen the horrors of war. And he says, I have never seen something as bad as your back. Flesh and nerve all over each other. His whole back. 
What happened to you, Ya Khabab? What did they do to you? Now, of course, this conversation is happening 20 years, 25 years after he was suffering what he suffered, Khabab. But he explains to Umar ibn Khattab what happened to him, what happened to his back. He was a slave. Slave means he has nothing. He has a tiny room with a window and that's it. No furniture, no nothing. And he only eats food and drinks water when his master brings food and brings water. And when he became a Muslim, his master, well, I don't know why you would say it, it was a woman, she did not accept that he became Muslim. She made a fire with all those hot embers and put him down on his back on the fire. And he refused to renounce his faith. He continued to say, La ilaha illallah. She asked people to push him down onto the embers to put out the fire. So that his back got completely ripped. And he, told, he, says, he tells Umar ibn al-Khattab that, you see, Bilal, when he was going through something like that, Abu Bakr came to save him. But me, when I was on the fire, Nobody came to save me. There was no Abu Bakr to save me at that time. I had to go crawling to my room after they let me go. I was still alive. I can't imagine. Allah protected his life to still be alive. And I had to go crawling to my room. Now put that into perspective. What did you find hard? Try to think about what you were thinking about early in the khutbah. What do you find hard? What do you find unfair? What do you find hard? Compare that to what Khabab had to go through and willingly went through to remain Muslim. All he could have said is, okay, I'm not a Muslim anymore. To be saved from what? From the fire that she was putting him on. Think about the hard times that you are going through. Does it even compare? Does it even come close? Now the reason I'm sharing this with you is because there are people in the world who will recognize the struggles that you go through. Allah will not leave you alone. Allah will, did not leave Bilal alone. Abu Bakr came and saved him, recognized his, trouble, his struggles. Umar ibn al-Khattab did not leave Khabbab alone. He recognized him for his struggles. Allah sent Omar to recognize Khabbab 25 years later. Allah sent Abu Bakr to recognize Bilal on the spot. Allah sends people to recognize and protect you. Allah sent Musa السلام, on a journey with Khidr to save the money of the two orphans because their father was righteous. Allah will send people your way. The struggles you're going through, Allah will send people your way who will recognize you. But if you complain, if you, don't, if you doubt Allah, if you don't think that it's fair, if you don't think Allah is fair, if you don't think Allah is there for you, you're not going to see that. Whenever somebody comes to support you and give you value and recognize you, you won't appreciate it. And there are so many people like that too. Allah sends people their way to recognize them and appreciate them. And think about 
not fair hard, how hard it is for us Muslims that we have to fast or that we have to get up for Fajr. How hard is it? You get up, you have to make wudu. Where do you go for wudu? Just next door, like maybe 10 steps. And you go make wudu. And you have the hot water and the cold water. Especially nowadays, you can get the water whatever temperature you want. You might have to wait, how long? Five seconds for the warm water to come. And then you pray right there. And if you go to the masjid, you go to your warm garage, into your warm car, and you drive your warm car to the warm masjid, and you pray fajr. And this is what we complain about that it's hard to pray fajr at the masjid. Think about today's temperature, or last night's temperature, just about 200 years ago. And you had to wake up in that temperature, and make wudu, and go to the masjid. Think about the experience for a second. SubhanAllah, we think life is hard. Allah is asking very little of us. Allah is asking us to pray. And we have everything on demand. We don't have to struggle much. So keep in mind, every single struggle that you go through, Allah sees it. Allah recognizes it. Allah will support you and be there for you. And no matter how much you think you're struggling more than others, know that Allah is fair, 100%. That nobody is struggling more than others. Allah is there for you, Allah will support you. أقول قولي هذا وأستغفر الله لي ولكم فاستغفروه إنه هو الغفور الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم طه ما أنزلنا عليك القرآن لتشقى This is the beginning of Surah Taha more about Khabbab, the same person I was telling you about. The same one who was a slave, put on the fire, and then Umar ibn al-Khattab recognized him 25 years later. Khabbab, when he became Muslim, he became the Qur'an teacher for many Sahaba, including the sister of Umar ibn al-Khattab. You might have heard the story. Umar ibn al-Khattab was not a Muslim yet. And he set out to kill the Messenger of Allah sallallahu wasallam. And one of the Sahaba saw him on the way to kill the Messenger of Allah. And he noticed that there's something about him. So he stopped him and said, what are you up to? He said, I'm going to kill Muhammad. He didn't say وسلم, at that time. The Sahabi said, why don't you go to your own house? Your sister is a Muslim too. He said, what? And he goes to his own home. And his sister is there with her husband and Khabbab. Learning the Qur'an, learning Surah Taha. And Umar's sister says to Khabbab, hide away. Because if he finds you here, you're done. Subhanallah. Teaching the Qur'an. And I'm mentioning this because it's connected to the story of Khabbab, but also because of that ayah I just recited. We're talking about hardship. And putting hardship into perspective. Every hardship you go through, Allah knows. And Allah will be there to support you no matter how big you think the hardship is. And many of us, including myself, there are at times that we think, man, this is hard, Qur'an is hard. At times we think, Qur'an is hard. Taha, 
Allah says, we did not bring the Qur'an down to put you in misery, to make you feel like life is hard. We did not give you the Qur'an for you to feel that it is hard. If anyone, me or your teacher or your parents or your peers, if anybody in the face of this earth makes you feel that the Qur'an is hard, they are wrong, Allah is correct. Allah is right. Allah did not make the Qur'an hard. Do not let anybody make you believe. Do not let anybody, not even myself or your teacher, make you think that the Qur'an is hard. If you are under that impression, you misunderstood something. Allah guaranteed the Qur'an is not meant to give you any sort of hardship. مَا أَنزَلْنَا عَلَيْكَ الْقُرْآنَ لِتَشْقَى إِلَّا تَذْكِرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى Whenever you sense that hardship, your attitude should be that I will be strong and I will take this Qur'an for the, for the power of the Qur'an. تَذْكِرَةً لِمَنْ يَخْشَى If you have the right attitude, you want the Qur'an because you know of the power of the Qur'an, you know Allah will be there for you, and you know the Qur'an is guidance for you, then Allah will make your hardship turn into ease. Allah can turn your hardship into ease. May Allah give us the understanding of the power of the Qur'an and, make, and give us the understanding of His power and His support in all situations in life. Ameen. Rabbana ja'alil Qur'ana rabi'a qulubina wa sudurina wa jala'a ahzanina wa dhahaba humumina Make the Qur'an the source of our happiness and the source of our hardships to move away as the Qur'an was, the Qur'an was meant for. Amin. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in wa aqimi salah.